Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. We're delighted to have you with us, and we're delighted to welcome Dr. Scott Rawls, who is the fourth president of Wake Tech Community College, formerly served as the president of the North Carolina Community College System from 2008 to 2015. And uh, we're talking about the cost of education, and we're talking about all the wonderful things that community colleges across North Carolina, the 58 that exist, are doing and how they are helping us in our growth, uh, and we have a lot of growth going on. Uh, Scott, uh, let's talk a little bit about partnerships, because one of the things that I have observed that the community colleges, not only Wake Tech, but all of them, are developing unique partnerships in a number of ways. You might want to talk a little bit about some that, uh, as examples that Wake Tech is doing. I'll give you an example. So one of our goals at Wake Tech is to really help as many people as possible throughout our community, regardless of their circumstances, achieve economic opportunity, good jobs, economic mobility. And for some people, that means that you have to reach out into communities. Some 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 areas uh, in our communities, um, people is not the custom of having been able to go to to college or to even think that you could afford that. And so. We're working through a number of partners. We call them REACH partners at um, WayTech. In fact, next week we'll be at a national conference where one of our REACH partners will be joining us as an example of our partnership efforts, uh, the Boys and Girls Club. So that's a new partner for us in Wake County. Um, we have an embedded uh, full-time workforce outreach coordinator at our Boys and Girls Clubs in Wake County. And so she works with all the all the kids in the Boys and Girls Clubs that, at the Teen Center. She's based there, but across. And so, you know, I've loved seeing buses uh, from the Boys and Girls Club on our campus for different events, seeing different programs. And so we're reaching out through organizations like Boys and Girls Club, like Communities and Schools, which works with students in areas like they're in public housing and other areas like juntos which works with latino families we're, we're very closely partnered with the public schools we particularly have counselors embedded in some of our schools that are uh, have um, a higher percentage of free and reduced lunch to help more students see the opportunities that are available through wake tech um, certainly you know the partnerships that are we work on every day are our employer partnerships um, there's not a day that goes by that i'm not interacting with one but typically more than one employer and our employers are key partners with our community colleges because you know we're trying to hit their target our goal is for our students and our residents to have the opportunity to work in those places and earn salaries and be able to to move up in careers and that's why you know, all of our programs have to have advisory committees with employers to tell us what we should do and what we should stop doing so that we're hitting those targets. So our employer partners, um, our community partners, and then we're, again, we're the middle child of education. Um, we're the, you know, we're the, that group in the middle between the public schools and the universities. So those are our other key partners is, you know, as, and I think, wait, I think community colleges are uniquely you know, as I used to like to say, the seam and seamless education. Um, you'll see this in community colleges now and how many high school students go take community college courses while in high school. 
our fastest growing areas right now because there's so many opportunities. They can take those courses free of charge. So of our students, close to 4,000 of our students are high school students who are taking college courses. And we actually have four high schools partnerships, uh, two on our campuses for early colleges. And then on the university side, you know, so many of our students, their goal is to go to the university. And so we have to work to hit their targets to make sure our students you know, can move forward without losing any credit. So community colleges to be successful have to be uber partners because of where we sit in education, where we sit with, with, with jobs, and because of our community role to make sure that edu education beyond high school is available to everyone, regardless of their economic or other circumstances. Let's talk about faculty, because as uh, uh, private businesses are looking for talent, they are probably become a competitor for uh, the uh, faculty because their faculty is well trained and so forth. Are you? What are community college systems doing to maintain the faculty and bring in new and exciting new faculty? And uh, how do you use ad hoc faculty? Yeah, it, and. That, you know, it's been a little bit of our Achilles heel, not the quality of our faculty. We have amazing faculty, uh, but our ability sometimes to attract and retain faculty because of what we pay. We're notoriously um, not, not good in terms of pay for community colleges, and that's a challenge. In the, in the recent legislative session, there were efforts to help us with that more this time. So we had a, a decent year last year, went across the board for all faculty. Unfortunately, but it, it did help in some of the areas where we were losing faculty the, the, the most, but it is the biggest challenge we face. It's also a challenge that comes with opportunity and growth because as companies expand and they're looking to hire uh, people with skills, whether they be nurses or electricians, as we talked about, or biopharma or whatever it may be, uh, People have other opportunities where they can make a lot more money than they could teaching people to do the same things that they're, you know, so when, what happens for us is, you know, when you can make a lot more money doing the job than you can teaching people how to do the job, then you run into some challenges. And we've run into those challenges at community colleges. And so, you know, we're making some steps. Sometimes they feel like baby steps, but we're trying, we're, we're making some steps in our county. This year, they're helping us a little bit by funding um, you know, to allow us to create a minimum faculty salary. Because here, and in some of our communities, the housing prices have gone up so much that it's almost impossible for some of our faculty, given what they make, to live in our county. So, something we have to stay attuned to, and it's something that's going to have to, you know, we have to work towards year after year uh, because right now we're we're kind of treading water, uh, particularly with inflation costs. How many hours is the average faculty member in the classroom, actually in the classroom, and how many courses per semester or whatever uh, system you have uh, are the, is the average faculty member involved in? Yeah, so, you know, it'll vary across different areas and different programs are taught differently depending on whether you're in a lab, a shop, or a classroom. But if you're thinking of it like a university or thinking of it where it's more of a classroom with lecture, then the average community college instructor is going to teach, be in that classroom, 15 to 18 credit hours. So, so five, they're teaching five to six, three hour courses in general across um, most community colleges. 
So about 18 hours, about a little less than half fully in the classroom. The other time they're um, preparing, they're advising, they are constantly, my wife is an adjunct instructor, not at Wake Tech, but at um, Durham Tech and at a university. And she's on the out. I usually talk to her with her back's turned to me because she's on the computer all day long and she's responding to students all the time. So it's designed that they would teach they be working 40 hours a week. Sometimes, though, I'm, I know for them it feels like it's much more than 40 hours. But if it's classroom-based, it's about you know 18 hours uh, of teaching, which typically comes to about six six courses that they'd be teaching. They don't have research responsibilities. We don't do research at community colleges like at universities, but they have all the other responsibilities. You know, I, I had the privilege of serving on a, a university board of trustees for a number of years, and they were talking about grade inflation. And I said, you know, I kind of disagree with that because uh, I think the thing that has happened that I noticed in dealing with the students is the top students were still top students, but the average students seemed to be much higher by 2015 than the average student was back when I was in school in the dark age. Uh, are students just getting smarter? <laughs> um, you know, I don't I know. I, I'd have to talk to some of our faculty on that, you know, and sometimes what we do worry about, particularly with the challenges of COVID that students are having in that area. I do think students are certainly more sophisticated. Um, they are. There are certain challenges you have now that we didn't have in the past because the writing that you do now as a younger person is different than, you know, writing an email is different. You know, I very few of us write long form letters. And so with research papers, so I know that's a little more of a challenge in a world of Twitter and, uh, and things of that sort. But I do think students are pretty knowledgeable and I'm always so impressed by our students at Wake Tech. And, you know, one of the things that you see with a community college is, students that we don't have a lot of entitlement at, at community colleges. I mean, we've got some pretty gritty, resilient people at our community colleges. They're here, you know, they're here with a purpose. Um, and many of them have overcome pretty significant or are overcoming significant challenges. You know, I, there's so many students we have and you talk to them and their stories of facing homelessness. I know one of our students I was with just recently who, you know, was, we, we wanted to speak to a group, but she was living in a hotel with her mom and having to help babysit some kids, you know, her sisters and brothers. And so, you know, you just, there are different challenges that different people have. And our community college students tend to be very resilient, um, very um, maybe worldly, but not, you know, they're, they're not entitled. And so, I'm always so impressed by our students and their willingness to learn. And I think at the end of the day, that's probably what's more important than how smart you are by an IQ test or how much you've read going into something, but how willing you are to learn, how open you are to that, how you're not going to get knocked down when you fail at something. And that's what I find with our students at our community colleges is these are resilient people who have are overcoming challenges because they face challenges. So they're they're pretty eager and pretty strong learners because of that, for the most part. What percentage, uh, and I guess this would be an average across the state, 
of your students are actually full-time community college students, and what percentage are people who are doing adult uh, continuing education or taking one or two courses? So if you look at our numbers, and I don't know how, it, you know, we're, we get close to about 30% in high 20s to 30% that are full-time. Most of our students will be working while they're going to school. And a lot of times it's not because they want to, it's because they have to. So for many community college students, it will take them longer than two years to complete a two-year degree because instead of taking five classes a semester, they're taking three classes a semester and working 20, 40 hours at the same time. So that's that's more common than it is unusual um, for most of our community college students. Now, on the college campuses, summer school enrollment is considerably lower than the fall or the spring. What about community college? Is your enrollment a little bit more consistent year-round? It's a little, it goes down a little bit in the summer, but it's certainly and over the years has become very consistent. We, we used to not be funded for summer school. And actually, we were able to accomplish that when I was system president. I'd, I'd always make the argument, you know, our students at community colleges, I mean, our average age is 27, or right now is 26. But they're not looking to, you know, go off to Europe for the summer or work as lifeguards. They're, they're, work, they're looking to get into the jobs for which they came to the community college to help prepare them. So, you know, they're not... For many of our students, they're not looking to take the summer off. They're looking to move forward and finish. And so our summer numbers, while not as high, are, are, are not as low as you might think and have grown over the years. Our guest is Dr. Scott Rawls. He's the president of Wake Tech Community College, where they have some 74,000 adults attending some six campuses, three training centers, multiple community sites, and a comprehensive array of online learning experiences. And that's one of the things we want to touch on in the next segment, the final segment, and that is distant learning, which uh, has both its challenges and its opportunities. We'll do that with Dr. Scott Rawls right after we take time out for these messages. As veterans, we're no strangers to helping others. It's what we were taught, trained, and told to do. It could be for anything. Helping a friend move. Listening to a fellow veteran for hours at any hour of the day. Or just simply making time for people, a neighbor, a loved one, or even a stranger. We're often the first to help others. There's no question about it. But we do have one question for the veterans listening. When was the last time you reached out for help? Perhaps it's time to do for yourself what you would do for others. If you or someone you know needs resources, whether it's for stress, finances, employment, or mental health, don't wait. Reach out. Find more information at va.gov reach. That's va.gov reach. Brought to you by the United States Department of Veterans Affairs and the Ad Council. Talking to your kids about the dangers of vaping can be hard. Getting them to listen to hot gossip is easy. So here's some drama you could share with your kid. Dude, did you hear about Cassie and Jake? No, but did you hear that vaping can cause irreversible lung damage and nicotine affects brain development? <gasps> Nuh-uh. You don't need to gossip if you want to have an open conversation about vaping. So if you want to get tips on when and how to talk to your kids, visit TalkAboutVaping.org. Brought to you by the American Lung Association and the Ad Council. 
Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers, and we're talking this week about education and the cost of education and and how North Carolina is sort of the envy of the world with our community college system and also our university system. Um, a lot of states are looking at us and say, boy, you guys really know how to do it. And it's been a savior as far as how we have retrained the workers of North Carolina from being basically a cigarette manufacturing, uh, textile manufacturing, um, furniture manufacturing economy, and ag to the economy we have today and we enjoy. Um, Scott, one of the big differences, I think, between community colleges and uh, uh, the university systems is how they raise money. And so many of the, uh, 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 in fact, all of them have an endowment. Some of them are quite large um, and are always raising money from alumni, and they have alumni associations. Now, this is something that is more difficult with community colleges, but is there any effort to get into that area uh, more significantly and begin to build up an endowment that would help with the cost? Oh, yeah. Every community college has that effort. Um, Today was with our foundation board, which was meeting. And um, so fundraising is always something that we're doing. Um, It is a little more, it's a little different for us. It's a little more challenging as a community college. You know, our alumni at a community college often are alumni at a four-year university, which is the last place they go to. So alumni fundraising is more difficult. You can see it in the numbers for um, um, in philanthropy, um, you know, about approximately 40% of the college students in the United States go to community colleges, but only 1% of the philanthropy that goes to higher ed ends up at community colleges. So um, it is a challenge for us uh, relative to many universities. We don't have we don't have football games and fraternities and things like that that uh, cause people's hearts to beat, write checks sometimes. And, you know, a lot of our strength is with the corporate community. Um, they they realize the value of our workforce role. So for us, most of our fundra- most of our fundraising comes from corporations who support us, not as much individuals uh, as it would at a university. But it's something that's very important for us because a lot of times it's the, the sauce that helps us to do things that we couldn't do otherwise. And and we've got a lot of strong supporters like, um, you know, in, in the corporate world, Rick Hendrick, who, you know, supports our automotive program. I, I shouldn't start naming names. A guy named Mike Conlon in our community who has been support such a huge supporter of our programs and particularly entrepreneurship. Uh, we, you know, we just have so many different champions, uh, probably more more corporate-based fundraising than others, um, but it's something that we wish we were better at, or we wish we wish people would give more money to us. Because relative to the number of students um, that we have, we certainly don't raise nearly as much money as our four-year uh, colleagues. You mentioned athletics. Some community college systems do have some form of athletics. What about Wake Tech, and uh, how many of the community college do have an athletic program. We do have athletics. We have about eight different teams. None of us have football. Um, You know, our our programs are smaller. They're not um, 
And, and for us, a lot of times it's just about the collegiality. It's something that, you know, students look for, particularly male students sometimes, but we have, you know, equal number of female and male programs. Um, and so we want students to, when they're at a community college, to have the same kind of experience they would have in a four-year college, but also for many, it's the same experience they'd have in high school to continue playing. Um, I'll tell you a, a unique thing about us at Wake Tech. So we have eight different teams, uh, male and female teams evenly split, um, eight to 10, I'd have to add them up. But one of the, the area where we have won a national championship is eSports, where you won a national championship this year and last year. eSports is actually, for us, it's, it's an intercollegiate team that competes against others. So one of the unique things about our college is we are the uh, one of the only colleges, if not the only college in the United States, that has a game development degree full degree in game development because we are in a gaming hub, but has also won an intercollegiate championship in esports. We've actually won two, so we're kind of proud of that. I guess 20 years ago, people began to look at distant learning and thinking it was going to solve an incredible number of problems. And I guess through the years, we've learned some good things about distant learning, and we've also found some limitations. About talking about how distant learning is occurring and uh, in particular how it's affecting community colleges well certainly covid was a milestone for distance learning because whether you know if you were a college university or any type of school all of a sudden you were 100 percent distance learning so as we were going into covid college like ours and many other community colleges about a third of the programs that we offered were um or that were taken by students were distance and the majority of our students took one or more distance classes. Now, they, they didn't take the majority of their classes distance for many of them. That was a smaller number, but they took one or more. Um, it is here. It is now going to, it is not, it's not by any means a fad. It's not going away. And COVID certainly moved that forward and made people more comfortable. One of the things it did is it helped accelerate all of us. Wake Tech um, and community colleges have been ahead of the game in distance education, primarily because we serve working adults who oftentimes need the convenience of distance education to complete their degrees. So for many years, community colleges have been forerunners in distance education. You don't see us advertising distance education as much as you do sometimes when you're driving up and down the highways where you'll see universities talking about their online programs. We've always had online programs. It's always been accessible. One of the things we saw at Wake Tech um, going back almost 10 years ago is we needed to be better, though, at online learning because we saw gaps. We saw learning gaps between students, um, different gaps between students who were less coming in less prepared and, and distance education was accentuating or accelerating those gaps. So we put a particular effort here. Uh, we made sure that every instructor was went through a pretty rigorous certification process to teach a distance course and then we also at wake tech we require every student who takes distance education to take a course a certification course before they take that so that they're ready to, to, for distance education and we put a ton of investment and when covid came along and we went from 30 percent distance ed to 100 percent in a one-week time period those efforts were a godsend for us because our faculty were prepared and our students were prepared and we, we had to sprint harder in some ways, but 
it, it made a difference. And we've really paid attention to how you accentuate distance education to remove those kinds of gaps that we saw. And so Wake Tech is a leader in distance ed. I'll brag about us. We were, we've been ranked by Newsweek two years in a row as one of the 150 best colleges and universities of any type in distance education. Uh, and that includes all the fully online colleges and universities. So we're very strong. You will see other strong leaders in North Carolina and the university sector. East Carolina University is a very strong distance education university. So uh, it's 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 a it's a way. It's a way of the future. Now, what you will see though is that it is not going to replace all of education for many students, particularly in some fields we see math, science, distance education is you know, it's, uh, not a not a way in which students look as much for um, their courses. And in some of our program areas, um, you would never want to hire a welder or an automotive mechanic or you know many you know uh, people people who work in healthcare and others if they were totally through distance ed courses. So yeah, a lot of the a lot of the jobs have to have a physical presence, and the education has to have a physical presence and have labs and shops and tactile types of things that happen. Um, I'll tell you one thing that's interesting about us um, and where I am right now at our newest campus that we're building, but it's not distance education, but it's simulated workforce education. An area where our college is becoming a national leader is we are creating these simulated work environments, public safety. I mean, we have on this campus that we're building a whole little town inside of a building that where we can, for public safety, can reenact um, anything that could possibly happen in a, in a, in a hotel, a retail, a school. Um, we're building a biopharma simulated, um, like a, a mini biopharma uh, facility. We're building a simulated hospital, three, four simulated hospitals. So our goal, and it's a new form of education, it's a really unique workforce form of education. You're seeing other, this in other community colleges as well, is facilities that simulate what they'll find in the real world, uh, not just sometimes rooms or you know, small labs, but a whole facility, a whole floor. And for us, that's the way of the future for many of the jobs that we're training is simulation of the real world environment. God, you've got about two minutes left. How about talking about what you view as concerns uh, or targets for the next 12 months? What are the things that you're worried about? And uh, what are the things you're going to uh, give great focus to? Well, let me start with the focus part. What we're really focused on here at Wake Tech is we want to make sure that everybody has opportunity in our region. And we're really focused on what we do. Our North Star is about economic mobility. Um, it's educate, it's you know, education, higher education, but for the purpose of economic mobility. And that means we have to reach students more. We're going out in communities with partners, as we talked about before. We have to rally around them, as we say, and support them in different ways. Before in our college, you know, we had great advisors, but it was like urgent healthcare. You had to find the advisor. Now we have, for all of our, we have 13 career fields, and they all have advisors. It, um, it, we're, we're supporting our students differently. And then we're making our programs, as we like to say, ladder so they can grow. Um, students can move up career mobility. The big challenge we face, as we talked about earlier, we've got to expand it these areas where there are already jobs, these in engineering technology, healthcare, nursing, skilled trades, 
And for that, it means more instructors. And that's going to be a funding issue for us. And so my concern is, can we expand, hire people to train and fulfill the workforce needs and challenges that are out there right now? Well, that is an awesome uh, assignment and so important because, as we said earlier, I think you mentioned 22,000 jobs in the in the triangle area only that need. I was just talking about 10 companies in a one hour yeah, yeah. period basis yeah. between Liberty and Holly Springs. Yeah. I mean, triangle would be way more than Yeah, incredible. Our guest has been Dr. Scott Rawls, and we've talked about the cost of education and what the community college system is doing to help uh, bring down the cost and so forth. If you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast, or share it with a friend, you can go online to carolinadeesmakers.com and hear the entire broadcast. The program has been produced by Jason Kong. He promises me faithfully that he will have another interesting guest next week, and he always comes through. So till next week, same time, same station. Have a good week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.